But folks, welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Podcast. I am Jake J. Thomas of Jake J. Thomas Photo. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about a few little interesting things that are going on in the world. So I hope you're ready for that. Hope you're ready to listen. I'm not sure what you're doing right now. Maybe you're doing some exercise. Maybe you're walking your dog. Maybe you're cleaning your your house, doing the dishes, got your headphones on. Whatever you're doing, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Now, <clears throat> in this podcast episode, I wanted to return to a couple of things that have been brought up in the past past few podcasts. See if I can get a little deeper into the topics. One of them was, I ended the last podcast by talking about imagining an American Union similar to the European Union, but involving all of the countries in the Americas, North and South. And what would that look like? How would that work? How would that be better if we were all allies on this entire continental mass of beautiful, beautiful land? For one thing, we'd be able to respond better to emergencies that happen. We'd be able to help each other out more. We'd be able to take advantage of trading with each other more. You know, this whole hemisphere is so rich with natural resources, with talent. There's so many ways that we could benefit from being an alliance, being a union. You know, so that was something I wanted to think a little bit more about to, you know, put out there into the ether to invite you to wonder about why it hasn't happened, what it would look like, what would have to happen in order for that to become a reality. And then I also, I realized that we did sign a renewed free trade agreement. They're calling it NAFTA 2.0. Each of the countries that has, that participated in the drafting and the signing of this treaty all have a different name for it each with their own country's name first but they're calling it nafta 2.0 and it's interesting because when nafta was originally drafted there was very little if any e-commerce but now there's you know digital marketing there's the ability to buy things online and so that's radically changed the economy, obviously, you know, look at Amazon. And so this new agreement had, you know, a clause to discuss e-commerce. But so we have this free trade agreement between the three countries of the Northern Hemisphere. But why don't we extend that to all the other countries in the Hemisphere? And not just a trade agreement, but a legal agreement, a union, 
You know, I think that as we watch what happens with Europe and as we watch England kind of blunder through trying to get out of the European Union and the difficulties that's causing them, I think it'll make more and more sense why it is in our best interest to form a larger union. But one of the reasons would be because we wouldn't have the same feelings about borders and, you know, what's been happening at the borders recently has, uh, is what, you know, provoked me to start thinking about that in the first place. And you never know exactly what to believe when you listen to the news, but it's our responsibility, I think, to try to figure it out the best we can. I mean, maybe not everybody. Maybe, you know, there's other things you're thinking about. You're focused on, you know, other ideas or you're doing different things. And there's no judgment for that. But those of us who care about the news, who care about history, we have to try to figure it out. And, you know, there was a lot of talk for a long time about the caravan approaching. And then, you know, there was a lot of reaction to it, resistance to the idea And nobody came up with a very good solution. You know, like I said, I wish a billionaire would create an army of people to help deal with the situation. And let me clarify, I don't mean a military army. I mean like a Red Cross kind of army. People who would go down there and, you know, it's been raining. So where the the migrants have been staying is full of mud and you know they walked all the way from honduras they're exhausted they're dirty they need some basic help they need to be able to have access to hot water they need to be able to clean themselves their clothes feed their children etc you know if we are going to to have a legal process We need some sort of way to take care of the people long enough so they can survive the legal process. I mean, that only seems just. But one of the things that struck me, this was on Sunday, when that first wave of the caravan reached the border and law officials from the United States fired tear gas into the crowd and there were images of women holding children fleeing from the tear gas didn't immediately remind me of another famous photograph of migrants but during this past week it brought it to mind and that is Dorothea Lang's migrant mother which was taken of the camps that were set up in California after the Dust Bowl caused people to relocate from the Midwest and many people made their way to California to try to find work, to try to find a way to survive. You know, Their entire livelihood was erased. The possibility of farming was 
no longer there and they had to move. They had to go. They had to survive. That's the human instinct. That's the impulse. So go they did and they ended up staying temporarily in camps and the Works Progress Administration hired photographers to go down there to see what was happening and Dorothea Lang was one of those photographers and she went and saw the camps of people and particularly she found this one mother with two children and she photographed that picture that became known as the migrant mother. And I think it's an interesting juxtaposition because these types of relocations happen periodically over time, you know, and as climate change has its effects, it's likely that there will be many more of them, but also just as globalization continues to impact the world in different ways, certain places are going to become less livable, unlivable for certain groups of people. You know, and uh, when we take the example of the Hondurans and, you know, what people say in response and reaction to not wanting them to come into the country is that they may be cartel members, there may be violent criminals within their midst, and that is also the reason why many people give for them leaving Honduras, leaving Central America in the first place, is because the violence has become so bad by the drug cartels that kids are being kidnapped, taken from their parents, enlisted as members of cartels. And so the parents are so deathly afraid of that happening to their children that they're willing to walk 2,000 miles to find a different future. So I just wanted to make this juxtaposition between the two images of migrant mothers. Dorothea Lange, impoverished, dislocated by a drought and a dust bowl, a windstorm that kicked up all of the topsoil, made it unable to be farmed. Sitting with her two children in a camp in California, or a mother from Honduras wearing a Frozen t-shirt, a Disney movie Frozen t-shirt, holding two kids, one barefoot, one with flip-flops, running away from a cloud of tear gas. Both painful images, both images that wake people up to the realities of the situation. Different, different circumstances, but related in a way. You know, it's like part of the reason for the Dust Bowl relocation was due to methods of farming. So in some ways you could say it was a man-made disaster. And what's happening with the drug violence, the cartel violence, 
in Central America is also the result of the actions of humans. You know, it was the war on drugs that really gave life to the cartels and the criminalization of drugs is what makes them a profitable enterprise. So am I saying that we should legalize all drugs because that would take power away from the cartels and it would make it more livable in other parts of the world? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And just like I don't believe that having an American union would mean that people would immediately flood the United States, I also don't think that legalizing drugs would create an instant population of drug addicts. And besides the fact we already have that population of drug addicts, I don't think it would increase is what I'm saying. But we do have unparalleled amounts of people dying from drug overdoses every year in the United States. 10 times more people are dying a year from opium overdose than from the World Trade Center, the 9-1-1 terrorist attack. And it's time to do something about that. You know, I think that everyone agrees that that is a problem that needs to be addressed. And what the best way to do that is, should be a topic of debate, but it also should be something we put into action. Now back to the migrant mother photographs. One was taken by a professional photographer and that photograph is often used to describe the connection between documentary photography and art photography because certainly it was a document of a time, of a place, of an event, of people caught up in the crosshairs of history and suffering from the difficulties of relocation. But it was also a very artfully done photograph. And there's something that that reaches the universal in that photograph. It's a beautiful image of a terrible scene. And, you know, when we talk about photography, when we talk about art, that's an image that comes up a lot. Now, this recent photograph was, I saw on social media. And, you know, that's the world we live in today. We have more people with cameras all around the world, which is why we're seeing so much more of the tragedy that happens. And while that can be very disconcerting, because it seems like there's so much terrible stuff happening, that's really been the case ever since there was a 24-hour news cycle. But now that 24-hour news cycle has been radically expanded because it's decentered and you know it can come from anywhere and everywhere. And while this may be a less artful image, it's no less impactful because what it does depict, what it does document still is terrible and 
terrifying. So anyways, I just wanted to weigh in with you folks about starting out with this will be to have an American Union, an alliance between all the countries in the American Hemisphere, so that there wouldn't be the same difficulties in crossing borders and we'd be able to collectively deal with this situation more responsibly. And then also it's it's kind of a meditation on media and how the world of photography has changed for better or worse and how in some ways it's not better or worse, it's just different and new iterations of the same sad stories are being told. While of course there are tons of different kinds of stories being told, it's not all tragic. We live in a world that's just abundant with images. Some of them bad, some of them good, some of them skillful, some of them amateur. But they all tell us something. They're all informative of the look and the way the world is now. So I just wanted to draw that comparison between the migrant mother and the mother with her children running from the tear gas and to say that I hope there is a resolution to that situation that's done in the most humane way possible and I just wanted to uh, see what you all think about that. You know, how has the proliferation of cameras changed the world? Is it better? Is it worse? Is there a connection between these two migrant mothers? What do you think is going to happen? What would you like to have happen? DM me on Instagram at Jake J. Thomas Photo. I'd love to know what you think. Thanks for giving a listen. Hope you're well. Till next time, peace.